Welcome, 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 everybody, to your all-time favorite podcast in the world, and arguably, as it has been said, the most useful podcast out there, Persuasion School. My name is Jake Savage. If this is your first time here, grateful to have you with us. You can learn a little bit more about me on the bio of whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on. But a quick snapshot here that I say at the beginning of each episode is I'm a former door-to-door salesman, knocked on almost 100,000 doors over the course of a few years. And then I helped launch a sales company with some other amazing people. My job there was to build and train a team of salespeople around the nation. I was the president there for the last three years. And then in that time, we hit some fun milestones. Like we made the Inks list of the 500 fastest growing companies in the nation two years in a row, which is pretty awesome. And then I, I transitioned out in 2021 to launch my own consulting business, but the company base makers just landed again a third time on the Inks list of the 500 fastest growing companies in the nation. So congrats to them. Uh, but I, I had wanted for a long time to launch my own consulting business and primarily work with anti-trafficking nonprofits. So I leverage about a decade, uh, leverage a decade and a half of corporate sales experience to help nonprofit fundraising teams win bigger donations and yeah, primarily anti-trafficking groups. That's what I'm passionate about. So I do that for work. And then through this podcast, we teach the masses how to get more of the things that they want in life. Things like deals, dates, donations, raises, promotions, discounts, whatever. Come here to learn how to be a more effective communicator, learn how to negotiate, how to influence people to take action. Probably, not probably, definitely the most important skill that any of us can have in life. The ability to positively influence other people to make change lasting change. And in addition to all like the business stuff or even dating or whatever, there's a lot of crazy things happening right now in the world. And everybody seems to have an opinion, but not everybody is getting anywhere with those opinions. People just shouting their opinions out via social media, not able to really make a difference. I mean, it's helpful to let people know where you stand if that's your intention. But if you want to really do something. You want to inspire other people to make some change. You're going to have to do more than just scream your opinion from the rooftops, right? You need to learn how to get people on board. And uh, that's one of my favorite things about the skill, persuasion and influence other people. So this is the place to come if you want to get better at doing that as well. All right, couple things before we get started today. One, I'm traveling. So this is probably going to be a bit of a shorter episode. Two, not in my studio, so the audio quality is, uh, in my opinion, subpar, but if it sounds fine to you, then that's cool. Uh, So anyways, audio quality, a bit of a shorter episode. So I'm in Oklahoma. My wife and daughter and I, we drove out here from the promised land of D.C. because Alexa, that's my wife, she ran her first marathon on Sunday. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, I got to run a couple miles with her to support her, but she crushed it not even tired freaking sprinted across the the finish line it was super exciting so it's been a fun fun trip as a family and then we're, we're heading back this week so anyways this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode but not any less impactful that's what i believe i think this is i think it's going to be helpful for you guys all right so here on the show this is thursday is so on thursday typically i'll share something from my own personal experience in sales or We'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through something fun together from the world of psychology or maybe neuroscience, which today there's a little bit of both in there mixed in with my own experience 
So got a kind of a, a triple whammy going on. So either that or I have uh, will have interviewed somebody and we'll learn from them how they influence other people to take action. All right. So today, here's what we're going to get into. Before I share the psychological principle that we're going to explore a little bit, I've got some questions for you guys to kick the ball off. So I want us to picture ourselves uh, in some sort of gambling scenario. This could be at a casino in Vegas, Atlantic City, or maybe this is like some alleyway, you know, where you're rolling dice up against a brick wall, whatever your your gambling scenario is. Picture yourself there and uh, picture a little, let's say, roulette, little roulette table. Okay, so you can make a bet on whatever color you think the ball is going to land on. And if it were to land on your color, you get a hundred bucks. Okay. But if it doesn't land on your color, you lose the hundred dollars. How many of you would make that bet? Think about that for a second. Now, a lot of you probably would not just cause you don't want to lose a hundred bucks, but there are a handful of you <laughs> that, that would make the bet. And, uh, <laughs> for some reason I just had, this uh, memory <laughs> come to mind of a buddy of mine named Reed that I didn't plan to include in this episode, but that's why I was laughing. He, uh, he told me one night that like the first time he ever went to a casino <laughs> to play war, which is like not what I'm going to do at a casino. Blackjack, if anything, that's where you have the best odds. But he goes up to, to play war, you know, like one hand with the cards and you need to get a higher card or whatever than the dealer. And I, I, he said, I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty dang sure that it was $200 is what he put down. So this is like the first thing he does in the casino, puts down $200 to play this hand of war and he loses and just out of pure frustration goes straight back over to the ATM, pulls out another $200 and walks right back over to the war table, puts the $200 down. So now he's $400 in. His card gets thrown down, then the dealer's card gets thrown down. He lost it again. <laughs> 200 bucks, two times in a row, $400. Anyways, um, maybe that was only funny to me, just thinking of Reed and the faces that he was making. But you probably all have that friend, or that's you. You've done that before. So anyways, back to the questions. All right, you can win 100 bucks if it lands on your color, or if it doesn't land on your color, you lose $100. Would you do that or not? Yes or no? Okay, think that up. Think uh, to, about the answer to yourself. Next question here. Let's let's change it up a little bit. I want to see how many people would start to jump in based off of the different circumstances. All right. So still roulette in that back alleyway. Uh, very nice roulette wheel uh, in uh, in a shady alleyway. Don't know how the wheel got there, but it's there. You spin it hundred dollars if it lands on the color that you choose, but if it doesn't land on the color that you choose, you only lose eighty. So you can win a hundred or you lose 80. How many of you would do that? All right. So there's still a larger upside here. You're winning more than you're losing, but there's probably a handful of you that would not want to move forward with that just because it's not worth it to you quite yet. All right. So let's get a little bit closer. You win a hundred bucks if it lands on your color, but if not, you lose $65. So even larger upside this time, would you do that? statistically not many of you would still at this point at the thought of potentially losing $65 all right now last one you win 100 bucks if it lands on your color but if not you lose 50 again statistically this is where more of you would start to jump in not everybody of course but a lot more people would start to jump in if 
the opportunity to gain something is double or more than what you could lose. That tends to be the threshold for most of us before we're willing to, to move forward with some form of risk. So where am I going with this? All this comes from a study that was done in 1979 from two behavioral economists, guys you've probably heard of actually, maybe Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize for some of his work, and then Amos Tversky, who would have won the Nobel Prize with him had he not passed away right before uh, the prize came out, unfortunately. But anyways, these guys ran this study to, to try to learn a little bit more about our behavior when it comes to taking risks. And ultimately, what they found was that the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. One more time, the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. This is called loss aversion. Uh, that's a, the name of the psychological principle, loss aversion, also prospect theory. So when we're choosing between different options or prospects, we're going to go with uh, the less risky option. Again, fear of loss is greater than, than the desire for gain. So what can we learn from this when it comes to persuasion? Well, think about just like any pitch, right? When it comes to us trying to pitch our boss on getting a raise, pitching someone to go out on a date with you, getting investment for the project, selling the thing, getting fundraising, getting buy-in, whatever. It's natural for us to frame our pitch in terms of what the person can benefit or how the person can benefit by saying yes or moving forward. You know, like if you hire me, your team will gain a driven and hardworking employee. If you marry me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. If you buy this product, you'll be much more satisfied with your situation or whatever it is. We all like to frame things when trying to get somebody to say yes. We like to frame it in terms of how somebody will benefit or what they'll get out of it. But considering this principle, loss aversion, the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. One of the ways that we can be more persuasive is to flip the script. So instead of painting a picture of what somebody could gain, in many cases, I'm not going to say in every single case, but in many cases, it would benefit us to paint a picture of what they would lose instead of what they would gain. So what are a couple examples? Well, I've probably mentioned this before on uh, the podcast. I, I obviously say every time that I did door-to-door -door sales, but I, I sold a handful of different things. But the last thing that I sold was security systems. That is like a prime example of people paying for something to protect what they have, right? Because the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. What are they really gaining when they buy a security system? I mean, it's just a couple pieces of plastic to put on the door, put on the windows, all right, or a glass break sensor, or like whatever the thing is, you're not really gaining much. It's all stemming from the fear of loss and not just home security systems. Like that's the small end. I mean, security can be, think about on the larger end, especially cybersecurity for anybody that was following the whole uh, Instagram and Facebook, Facebook social media outage the other day. Apparently, some hackers had got in and were deleting lines of code and holding the code ransom until they, I mean, cybersecurity is one of the top things now. And people will pay a lot of money for cybersecurity because they don't want to lose what they already have. So security is a great example. Insurance. I mean, if you have insurance for anything, you know that you're not gaining anything. We're all paying tons of money every single month to protect what we have because we don't want to lose what we have and we're gaining nothing essentially 
from, I mean, you could, we're gaining a peace of mind. That's a feeling, but really we're doing it because we, we don't want to lose anything. Okay. And then lastly, something that all of us have probably succumbed to. This is a great example, uh, particularly how people use this with within marketing departments and sales departments, free trials. You know, if you, if you've, if you're somebody that uses like a streaming service, Hulu, Netflix, whatever, where you have to pay, it always comes with a week long free trial or two week free trial. You might even be one of those people with like 12 different email addresses because you want to keep taking advantage of those free trials. The point of those free trials is actually not necessarily to get you to be able to experience the the product. Although that's the case, like a free trial with Netflix, you get to watch some videos, watch some TV, whatever. That's great. But the point is they know that after those two weeks, you won't want to lose what you've just gained. So the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. If if they were to say, hey, would you like to pay $10 a month right now and have access to all these movies and all these TV shows, you might not be that interested. But if they give you access for two weeks and then say, okay, we're going to take that away now since the two weeks is up, or you can pay $10.99 a month and keep it. That's where people make the decision to stay because they don't want to lose what they at that point already have. All right, so fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. Let me explain how I use this real quick uh, in the base makers world. That's the sales company that I was referring to. And then I, uh, I had fun crafting one little example for somebody that's interviewing for a job. You're trying to persuade your future employer to hire you and not somebody else. If you want any more personal examples, feel free to reach out. You can always catch me on Instagram. We'd love to answer those questions. You can also jump on Patreon patreon.com slash persuasion school. I've got a members only Q and a there that you can subscribe to for four bucks a month. So you could jump on and cancel at any time. If you want to, if you want an example of how this works within your personal scenario and then, uh, and then cancel the subscription after I make the episode, you could, it would cut me to the core, but I'd forgive you. All right. So how I would use this in base makers is well, we had a couple different aspects of that job. One, we were an outsourced, we are an outsourced sales team for emerging food and beverage brands. Okay, so part of my job was to sell our services to other brands in the food and beverage industry. And I could talk all day about all the great things that those brands would gain from working with base makers, like additional shelf space. Our team is going to go in and we're going to get you into more positions in the store. We're going to get you in front of more people. Um, we're going to build relationships with the store manager. So they'll be more familiar with your product and want to spread the word of your product to their customers, like all this stuff. I could do that. And oftentimes I did, depending on the circumstances or through asking a lot of questions, I might flip the script and frame it through this fear of loss lens rather than what they could gain. So if during my initial conversation with the brand, I heard the CEO or the VP of sales or whomever say multiple or mention their competitors, one or more competitors multiple time, times, sorry, uh, I need some more coffee maybe. If they mention their competitors multiple times during the conversation, I'm starting to pick up that defending their existing shelf space might be more important to them, at least right now, than gaining incremental shelf space. You know, if they have competitors that are on their heels, I mean, it's for also anybody that's not aware 
of how this industry works. Your local grocery store is not just like a nice, fun, uh, easygoing store where you just go and you buy the products and grab them off the shelf. And it's, uh, you know, the store puts those things based off of, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's not probably your typical understanding of a grocery store. These grocery stores are battlefields. I mean, some people are paying for space to get in front right where, uh, you know, the eye level. So the first product that you see, other brands are fighting for that. Some brands will go in there and they'll actually move product around even without getting approval from like a store manager just to try to get their product to eye level. Or maybe they're going to expand the facings. So if you're not familiar, that means rows. So if there's like three rows of Red Bull, you might have a Red Bull rep go in and and he or she wants to reduce the amount of rows of a product next to them. So instead of there being three rows of Red Bull, they're trying to cram in maybe like 10 rows of Red Bull. So it takes over more of the shelf, the width of the shelf, rather than just height being at eye level. So it is a constant battlefield. So if I'm if I'm having a conversation with a potential brand trying to sell them on using base makers and they keep talking about their competitors and maybe how they're they're number two or they're number three and they're they're trying to get to number one, but they're also worried about their the current three, four, or five taking their spot, I'm gonna instead uh, instead of talking about all the great things that we'll do for them in terms of gaining them extra space, I'm gonna start using different language in my pitch and for the remainder of the conversation around how teaming up with base makers will help them to defend their existing shelf space from those competitors that are trying to take it from them. Because I know that at that moment, that's more powerful to that CEO or that VP of sales. That's more powerful and compelling than me painting a picture of us getting them like displays in the front of the store or getting them into extra spots. The most compelling thing during that circumstance is defending what they have from people that are trying to steal their space. And so that's when I would switch those gears and start using that type of language and forget all about the extra things we could do and just use words like defend, protect, preserve. We of course did not win every single deal. I'm not saying that anything here is like a guarantee that you're always going to get the yes by using this, but it did help boost our success rates when we flipped the script and started using that type of language. All right, my closing example, something that you can, for for people here that are applying for jobs, and I wanted to use this as my example, just because given the pandemic, I know there are a lot of people that are out of work. So if you're somebody that's been applying for jobs and interviewing at places and you have not had any success yet, consider using this method at the end of your next interview. When that person asks the interviewee, interviewer asks, Hey, do you have any more questions or comments for us or closing statements before we wrap up today? Instead of using that time to further kind of brag about yourself or talk about how the the company will improve by hiring you or the culture will improve by hiring you try framing it in a way that helps to, to convey that by hiring you, they're going to preserve and protect their already awesome company culture as long as it is already awesome, hopefully, but you shouldn't be applying at a place with a crappy company culture. So anyways, this is what I would say word for word. It sounds like you all have a really strong company culture here. And that being the case, I know how important this next hire could be. You know, bringing on the wrong person or a potentially toxic person could jeopardize that culture that you guys have worked so hard to build. And I want you to know that I have a lot of respect for your organization. And if you do decide to move forward with me, you won't regret it. I look forward to hearing from you. So that's that's what I would say. 
word for word. I'm just kind of putting that, uh, planting that seed in their minds, this loss aversion seed, that the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. And if they have truly have worked really hard to build something amazing in a tight knit culture there, preserving that is going to rank higher to them than improving that. And that's what I'm trying to convey through those words. Again, hey, it sounds like you all have a really strong company culture here, which is one of the reasons I'm excited to to potentially work here. But that being the case, I realize how important this next hire could be. You know, bringing on the wrong person or a potentially toxic person could jeopardize the culture that you've worked so hard to build. So I want you guys to know that I have a lot of respect for your organization. And if you do decide to move forward with me, you won't regret it. I look forward to hearing from you. Food for thought, if you're somebody that's interviewing around and uh, and you want to switch it up and try something new. All right, guys, that wraps it up for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey, if you're looking for more content on persuasive communication, you can go to my website, persuasionschoolpodcast.com. You can also catch up with me on Instagram at it's Jake Savage. A couple things as we close out here. One, if you dig the show and it's been helpful for you and you value it, I would encourage you to rate or review the show. It would just be helpful to me, you know, just trying to spread the word about Persuasion School. So if you really, really like it, a review would mean a lot to me and I would appreciate that. Another thing that I mentioned at the very end, usually of each episode, is I've got people that listen to this show that have been reaching out for coaching, which is super fun to get to work with people one-on-one and some of their projects. So I've worked with people from the marketing world, fundraising world, sales world, beauty pageant world, whatever. If you're somebody that uh, your, your, your work or whatever it is right now is requiring you to put together a compelling message in order to move people to take action and you want some guidance on it, feel free to reach out directly. You can, again, do that through Instagram or through my website, persuasionschoolpodcast.com. I also usually mention how my wife, Alexa, and I are passionate about fighting human trafficking and sex trafficking at the end of each episode. And I've talked about ways you can get involved. But over the next couple months, probably, I'm just going to be talking about one way in particular, which is this upcoming fundraiser that I'm throwing. It's going to be November 13th called the Freedom 50. I'm going to do something I've never done before and get outside of my comfort zone. I would encourage you guys to do the same. I think that's what this is all about. If we're raising money and awareness to fight trafficking, we're we're trying to defend people who are <laughs> like never in their comfort zones for years at a time, being forced to do unspeakable things. So I'm going to run 50 miles. The most I've ever ran is a marathon. It's a 26.2. So I'm going for 50 and you can participate participate in a couple different ways. One, you can donate $50 to the campaign. It's not live yet. I'm just telling the Persuasion School crew, uh, but we'll we'll put it online and start blasting blasting it out when we're about a month out. So next week, October 13th is when we'll, we'll make a bigger announcement. But you could donate $50 or more. Definitely won't turn it away if it's more. And... Uh, I'll let you guys know about the link or I'll give you the link once that's live. Two is you can run virtually and still give, of course, but you can run virtually and turn it into a fundraiser and get your friends and family involved too. You can run any distance, just get out of your comfort zone, do something you've never done. You got to suffer a little bit or you can run with me in the DC area. If you happen to be in the area or want to travel out here, I'm going to be running on a, a stretch of stretch of, uh, land called the CNO Canal. It's a gravel path and it's going to start in about Point of Rocks, Maryland. That's the name of the town, Point of Rocks, Maryland. 
We're going to finish in Georgetown, which is a neighborhood in Washington, D.C. It follows the Potomac the entire way. It looks like you're literally running in Jurassic Park. It's freaking gorgeous. So if you want to roll with me, that would be awesome. I've had a couple people say they're thinking about it. You don't have to do the whole 50. You could meet us wherever. So, or me, if nobody else shows up, you could meet me wherever. But Freedom 50 coming out November 13th. You can invest 50 plus dollars into this campaign. You can run virtually or you can run with me. Looking forward to hopefully having some of you guys join in and participate. Other than that, have a fantastic rest of your Thursday, Friday weekend, and I'll catch you guys next week. Adios.